Uh, Happy Easter, everybody. Maybe we could turn to one another and say Happy Easter one more time. It's good to see everybody. It's good to see a lot of people back at church uh, for the first time in a long time. Welcome back uh, to all of you. It's good to see some children here. Uh, Welcome uh, to all of you boys and girls who are here to worship with us today. Um, Easter uh, is such an important and and it's probably the biggest day of the year for the church. And if you're here and you don't normally go to church, but you're here and you're joining us with in worship, we just want to say welcome, a super warm welcome um, to all of you. We're so glad that you're here and you're with us, and I know that a lot of this may seem new to you and you don't know exactly what to do. It's all right. I just want to welcome you guys. We're just super, super glad that you're here uh, with us. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Mosaic, and Easter is such a big uh, holiday. It's such a big day for us because it's the day where we remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's such a big deal because that's our victory. Um, In the resurrection is our victory. It's not how you live this week. It's not how you're going to live next week. That's not where your victory is. Your victory is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And today we celebrate that it is finished. And that's why it's such a big deal for all of us. Because we look back at the resurrection of Jesus. And that makes a huge difference in how we live today. And it makes all the difference and where we are going in the future. And so the resurrection is everything. And so we make such a big deal out of it uh, because it is our everything. But I struggled a little bit this week thinking about our Easter sermon, and I thought, what about the resurrection? Does the church really need to hear about this Easter Sunday? And I struggled because it's been such a hard year. It's been such a difficult year, and a lot of us have been discouraged by what we're seeing happening in the world, and I thought about what does the resurrection have to say um, to our church today? And today, what I want to do is to look at the resurrection as a power and something that really radically changes the way that we relate to one another, the way that we have relationships with one another, and personally, but also kind of in a wider scale. How do we have relationships uh, with people who are really different than us? In today's passage, um, in the book of Luke, we see Jesus telling us something about the resurrection that radically impacts our relationships. And so what I want to do is not just tell you about the resurrection, I want to tell you about what the resurrection does to us in our relationships with one another. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, you can open up to Luke 14, and I'm just going to read three verses here in Luke 14. Verses 12 uh, to 14. Okay, Luke 14, verses 12 to 14. Hear now the word of God, which is amazing, powerful, beautiful for our good. Luke 14, 12, it says, He said also to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors lest they also invite you in return, and you be repaid. But when you have a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, because they can't repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. This is the word of the Lord. Let's say a quick prayer together. 
Father, this Easter we come to you and we want to know what you have to say to us in Luke 14. We want to receive it, know it, understand it. But we need to pray because we want to live it. We want the resurrection, Lord, this Easter, not just to inform us, but to change us. And because we know we can't do that ourselves, we bow our heads and pray and ask you, please help us. As we come to your word, I pray that your spirit would give us everything that we need to actually walk differently because of the resurrection. We celebrate you and what you've done today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke 14, I want to give you a little bit of background so that you can understand what um, Jesus is talking about here. And in fact, when you read uh, Luke 14 and understand the background of what's here, it gives more tension to the story in Luke 14. Um, When we look at Luke 14, what's actually happening is Jesus has been invited to a dinner by a Pharisee at the Pharisee's house. But Jesus is not sitting there eating comfortably and celebrating. But what's happening is that Jesus actually feels very, very probably um, like he's being watched, probably because it says there that the Pharisees invited him and they were watching him. And the reason that they were watching him is because they wanted him to mess up. They wanted him to do something that they could pin him for. They wanted to cancel Jesus. But they didn't have any evidence. They didn't have any footage. And so they wanted to get Jesus, but they couldn't figure out how. So they invited him to this dinner and see if he would do something that they could pin him for. It was a setup. And it worked out perfectly because... The Pharisees didn't set this up, but the perfect person walks into the dinner. A man walks in who has this infirmity that everybody can see. He has something that used to be called dropsy. Uh, Dropsy is kind of an old term for a swelling of the body. He has abnormal swelling of the body, and everybody can see that this guy is in, in deep need of help. And for the Pharisees, this works out perfectly because this dinner is on the Sabbath. And so Jesus is not allowed to heal on the Sabbath. And then in walks this guy who basically is begging for healing. And everybody can tell. And the big tension of the passage is, what's Jesus going to do? Is he going to bend the law to help this guy? Is he going to bend the law to show compassion? Or will he pass on this healing? And in the midst of all of that, Jesus, Jesus, he brings up the elephant in the room. And he looks at the Pharisees and he says, is it lawful? to heal on the Sabbath or not. And it says that they were just silent. Jesus said, if one of yours, if a child, a donkey, if one of your pets, one of your farm animals fell into a ditch on the Sabbath, you're telling me that you wouldn't help him? You're telling me that you wouldn't pull that donkey out of that ditch? And all the Pharisees were silent. And what Jesus does then is he picks up his hands, he goes to this man, And he heals the man of his infirmity. It's in that context that Jesus tells this story today. Let me read it again, starting verse 12. You said, now you understand. He also said to the man who invited him, to the Pharisee who invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. Isn't that weird? He says, don't invite people who could pay you back. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Easter is all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
And it's all about what we can um, learn and understand from the resurrection that happened 2,000 years ago, how that impacts the way that we live now. And Jesus here says, this is how the resurrection should change the way that you live. It should change the way that you have relationships with people who are totally different from you. He's talking about why he healed this guy. And he didn't heal this man because he had pity on him. He felt bad and sorry for this man. What he's saying is that if you believe in the resurrection, if you have a resurrection, then that gives you a powerful reason to connect with people like this. Who are the people in your life who are like this man with dropsy? Who are the people in your life who are totally separate from you, maybe of a different social class, different economic class, people who are of a different race maybe than you? But Jesus is calling you today to look at the resurrection and to see how you should really have a different kind of relationship with that person. Because Jesus here says, today is Easter. He didn't really say this, but today is Easter. We're thinking about the resurrection. But how should the resurrection actually change you today? What he talks about with the Pharisees in this passage is the nature of human relationships without the resurrection. It can be relationships that are basically transactional, just looking to get something. You see, dinner invitations in those days were not just friendly dinner invitations, but dinner invitations came with the expectation that if I invite you over for an expensive banquet, that you will invite me over for an expensive banquet. If I connect you with my network of people, then you invite me to connect me with your network of people. That was the understanding that was back then. And by doing this, uh, going to this dinner and then inviting this other person, exchanging favors, you can climb up in the world if you know how to use the system well. That's what's going on here. You know, in Japan, they have something um, interesting that happens at Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day, what normally happens is actually the women get Valentine's gifts for the men. And it's very public. So all the gifts that you give to your man are seen by all. And it's kind of something that's very public. And so the way that you honor your man and the way that you show that you appreciate your husband is you give him a gift that's really big. Really big so that when it's wrapped and when it's big, everybody sees, wow, this must be a good husband because look how much she appreciates her man. Now here's the catch. A month later, on something called White Day, the men are expected to return the favor. And a month later, the men are supposed to give a gift back to the women that's three to four times as, as expensive as the Valentine's Day gift. I see all the wives in the room in deep approval of this practice, right? But they're supposed to give them a gift back that's way more expensive than the one that they got. That's how White Day works. If you want to really honor your husband, you get them a really big gift. So all of his friends say, wow. But then it's cheap. So that when it's his turn, he doesn't have to spend so much money getting you your gift, you see? Now, if you really want to embarrass your husband, you give him a really small gift that's really, really expensive. So that when it's your turn, not only is he ashamed on February 14th, on March 14th, he really has to shell out for your gift. 
That's how this practice works. This is weird transactional nature of how we as humans, we try to use our relationships for specific agendas and for ourselves. You see, Jesus is looking at this dinner that he's invited to, and he says, what are you guys doing? You know, the way that you guys use your relationships, the way that you even have relationships with one another is deeply short-sighted. It's incredibly selfish. It's not very loving, and it's not sacrificial. Your relationships, honestly, it's for yourself, isn't it? You're stuck in it. And the reason that you're stuck in these kinds of relationships is because you don't celebrate Easter. Because you don't believe in the resurrection. Because he says, if you believed in the resurrection, if you celebrated Easter, truly celebrated Easter, then it would change the way that you guys invite each other to dinner. Because this is what he says. He says, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. He says, if you really understood what you're going to get in the resurrection, oh, how that would change the way that you relate to people, you would stop all this using relationships to try to gain. You would stop all this using relationships to manipulate and to try to really just elevate yourself. If you just knew what Easter was about, if you just really knew what the resurrection was, then you would really connect with people that are very unlike you, and you would even be sacrificial to include people who could never help you. You would invite the blind, the poor. You would invite the crippled to your house. If you knew the resurrection reward that's coming to you. Now, so then what is this resurrection reward? He says, if you know what this resurrection reward is and you act on it, then you will be blessed. You'll be a blessed people in this world. So what is this uh, reward that's coming to us that's going to change the way that our relationships work? The resurrection, it's hard because in in some ways it's very mysterious. Um, It's something that we can't really fathom here on earth fully. I mean, you could try, but it's something that's incredibly difficult. It's like trying to explain a beautiful painting to a blind man. You could try, but you would really feel your limitations in trying to describe a beautiful painting to a blind person. In some ways, for us to understand the beauty of the resurrection, the actual reward of what's coming to us in the resurrection, it's tough. Even Paul tries when he got a glimpse of heaven. In 2 Corinthians, he begins to try to explain to us what heaven was like, and then he kind of gives up. (laughs) He starts to explain, I know a man who got called to the third heaven, and then he starts to say, but the thing is, like, these are words that I can't really utter. He says, I heard things that can't really be told, things that man can't really explain. He kind of gives up. The reason that the resurrection reward that's coming to us is hard to understand is because we live in such a drab world broken by sin. I think it's probably the reason why if you read your Bibles, you have an account of Jesus being angry, you have accounts of Jesus crying and weeping, but you'll never find an account of Jesus laughing. You won't find it. 
There is no account of Jesus laughing on earth. G.K. Chesterton, he said, is probably because this world was so drab and that heaven was so great that Jesus could not find himself laughing here in this world. Let me read you the beautiful words that Chesterton wrote when he's thinking about Jesus and why he didn't laugh. He says this, talking about Jesus. He restrained something. I say it with reverence. There was something in that shattering personality, a thread that must be called shyness. There was something that he hid from all men when he went up a mountain to pray. There was something that he covered constantly by abrupt silence or impetuous isolation. There was something, there was some one thing that was too great for God to show us when he walked upon our earth. And I have sometimes fancied that it was his mirth, his joy, his laughter. He's saying that Jesus hid it from us. Why didn't he laugh on earth? He probably did, but it's not recorded. But Chesterton is saying, why is it that it was so muted? And he was saying, probably because the joy of heaven is too bright for this world. That our world is too black and white, that is too gray. For somebody who knows the joys of heaven and the resurrection to laugh in this world. It's mystery what's coming to us, but I hope that that gives you a little bit of a sense of what's coming to you. The reward of the resurrection is extravagant, its purpose, its joy, its fulfillment, its laughter, its stuff that we can only understand in a very muted way here. But what's coming to you in the resurrection is a joy and fulfillment and happiness and pleasure that you can't really understand right now, but you will. In a sense, both Paul and Jesus says, you have to experience it for yourself. I don't know how to tell you in this world because you're not going to get it. The reward of the resurrection. Every Easter, uh, the staff will tell you the... uh, Pastoral staff will tell you that I push pretty hard um, to try to make Easter very, very special and very, very joyous. Um, Every Easter at staff meeting, I I, I say, how do we bring joy and celebration to Easter? And our pastoral staff, our pastors are, are great and wonderful, but I push them pretty hard every Easter to do this. And I know that it's taxing on our church and our leaders, and it's taxing on me as well, but... I think it's so important to try because Easter is a time when we remember the resurrection that is coming to us. And yes, it's hard for us to understand, as Chesterton said, as Paul said, even as Jesus shows, it's hard for us to understand it here. But every Easter, we should try. We should try to understand the celebration, the music, the laughter, the joy the happiness that we will one day have in the resurrection. We should try. We should try. Because experiencing the resurrection a little bit, Jesus says, will change the way that you live. You will see that everything else is sinking sand. 
And so what is this resurrection reward that Jesus said will change you and the way that you relate to people? If I could try to explain it, I would say, what is the resurrection reward? I think it's to have purpose intensely. It's to one day have fulfillment completely. It's to one day to have joy immensely, to have relief absolutely, and to one day have laughter eternally. That's what's coming to you. And Jesus said, so you see, if you knew that, you stop being so selfish. If you knew the resurrection, you'd stop doing relationships like you do. It would change the way that you treat people, and it would make you incredibly inclusive of people in your life if you just knew what was coming to you. Don't you see, Easter isn't just about looking back at the resurrection. It's also about bringing the resurrection power into our lives today. And what Jesus says is that it would radically change the way that you would include people in your life. It would make you radically sacrificial. Because everybody at that dinner, when Jesus says, when you have a dinner, invite the poor, invite the lame, invite the blind, they're all wondering, if I do that, how am I going to get mine? If I invite poor people, if I invite homeless people, to my dinners all the time, when am I going to get mine? And Jesus says, you will be repaid at the resurrection. And if you knew what was in store for you at the resurrection, you would be lavish with your life. You would include people who are very different from you, and you would be sacrificial if you just knew a little more about the resurrection. That's what we celebrate on Easter the fulfillment, purpose, joy, and pleasure of the resurrection that is coming to us. It's breaking in right now, brothers and sisters, into your life. And so this Easter, I want to pause and ask you, why did God give you this message today? I'm talking about you. Why did God bring you this message today? Who is the man with dropsy in your life? Who is the person, who are the people that God wants you to extend yourself out to? Think about your life for a second and ask, what would change in my relationships if this resurrection reward really hit home? Who would I include that I have been excluding? Who would I associate with that I refused to do so before? And even beyond that, Who should I forgive? That I've been too bitter to forgive? Who should I love? That I've been keeping out of my life because I've been selfish? Who have I acted towards like the resurrection is not really real? You know, I look at the news these days and I see Satan leveraging every single point of division to divide us. I see Satan using every single point of separation to draw us apart. We need the resurrection now. We need the reward of the resurrection now in our world through Christians 
who would break through divides because they know that they have a reward in the resurrection. We need Christians who see that and will break through barriers and areas of distance. Who are those people today in your life? I think we're confronted with that question on this Easter. You know, Easter is a time when we celebrate, we laugh, we praise, we sing, we have joy because he is risen and so are we. But I think it's also a time for us to think about who we need to move towards because of the resurrection. Because you don't need to be paid back. Because your pay is coming at the resurrection of the just. Let me close with this. Uh, one of the most interesting superheroes is Spider-Man. And you probably didn't think it was going to end up here. But one of the most interesting superheroes is Spider-Man because he's just a kid. He's still a teenager. He's the, a young, he's the young one among all the Marvel superheroes. And I think what makes it interesting is that Spider-Man got these powers, but he still really just wants to live his normal life. He just wants to have a girlfriend, and he wants his you know, peers at school to like him. He wants to go on his field trips and win science fairs. Like He just wants to be a kid. He just wants to have a normal life. But then he has these powers, you know. He can do all these things, and he can't stop looking at the terrible things that are happening in his neighborhood. And even though he has this deep sense that he just wants to be a teenager and he just wants to live his normal, comfortable life, the words of his uncle resonate in his mind. As he told Peter Parker, Peter, with great power comes great responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. I know you just want to live your life. I know you just want to live your nice, comfortable life. But I want to tell you, Peter, with great power comes great responsibility. It keeps breaking in and bothering his normal life. Every Easter, we are reminded with a great resurrection comes a radical life. With a great resurrection must follow a radical life of change. And I know you just want to live your life in Bergen County, and I know that you just want to create this life for yourself. But this Easter, my brothers and sisters, Jesus is saying to you, you have an incredible resurrection coming to you. Should you not live differently? Should your life not include different people? Should you not love differently? With a great resurrection coming to you, your life must change radically. Why did God give you this sermon today? Weird sermon for Easter. But why did he give you this sermon today? Who is the person he's pulling you towards? I pray, look at the resurrection and love them with a sacrificial love and be moved to them this Easter. Let's pray together as we come to the table. You know, I want to ask you to take a moment and to think about why the Lord gave you this message today and to think about who the Lord is calling you towards. Um, let's spend a moment and let's go to him and confront him. Let's say, first of all, Lord, thank you for this amazing resurrection. Too much for words. 
but I also get a sense with this great resurrection that there is required a radical love. And so praise Jesus for being risen. But why? Why are you moving me towards people who are different from me? Who? Who do you want me to go to? Let's spend a moment in praise and reflection with our Father this Easter. Let's pray before we come to the Lord's table.